This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott at Dre Knott at Akron Jackson on most of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, a to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Our longtime sponsors, supporters, and friends are seen the Honeymoon Grill and American Fireworks. Um, we know what's going on in the world, in our city, and uh, we know the plane dealer, frankly, isn't coming back. So, seen is more important than ever. American Fireworks can help you with your impromptu graduation party, uh, other family celebration, or even just your regular July 4th show at a safe social distance. Um, Dre, I'm glad we could get together and do this. Um, there's probably you know only one thing that we should talk about, and that clearly is the fitness challenge I mentioned on the last podcast, and I gotta admit it's not going real well for me. So thanks for asking. Yeah, the tech the tech stopped coming in, bro. What happened, man? <laughs> Push ups are hard. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, number one, I'm glad I've already chuckled. You got me to chuckle, and and you know that. I think anybody listens to this podcast. If you're new to the podcast, thanks. Um, I don't. I I'd rather be doing. I talked to somebody this morning. I'd rather be doing baseball games, guys. Um, I'd rather you guys be making fun of the the baseball minute brought to you by Zach Jackson, who can't stand summer baseball, and talking about July 1st and, and the NBA, um, you know, uh, free agency. And I told uh, Mike Snyder this morning, I go, I, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be Martin Luther King. I'm not trying to be any of those things because I don't have the capacity for all of that. Um, but I've just, I've, I've texted this to you because you're one of my best friends. And I've texted all my close friends this. I've just been in an angered state, in a hurt state that I've never had before, man. And um, I don't want you to feel this way. I don't want anybody to feel this way. And, I, and you know what? In speaking and the way that I've in, in texting and talking to friends and talking to people that I haven't talked to in, in years on top of years, maybe it's a start and hopefully it is a start. Um, but I don't want anybody to feel the way I've felt over the last week. Um, I, I don't, it's not healthy. It's not the person that I've, that I wanted to portray and put out. My entire life is not the person that my parents raised to, to be carefree, to be loving, to be happy, to find the best in every situation and in every moment. Um, and I've been able to accomplish that most of my life. I'll admit, and um, I'm not getting Kevin Lovish on anybody, it's not good to not have, be in the right mindset. And my mindset hasn't been right. I don't want to be angry every single day. Um, I don't want to sporadically worry about you know, the future for my kids, your kids, any kid, anybody's kids. I don't like who we are. And I know a lot of people don't like hearing that. I'd like to think what Zach and I do on a, on a weekly basis, on a, on a daily basis. I think part of this podcast, and I'm not patting us on the back because I could be better. He could be better. We can all do things better. I'd like to think what we do on this podcast is show people that you can be from completely different backgrounds. You can, you know, you can have different viewpoints. You can, you know, you can be whatever. But we can respect each other and have a good time, have a good conversation, and hear a different perspective and, and, and see that maybe your perspective isn't that different um, than someone that doesn't look like you, that doesn't sound like you. Um, I think there's something to that. I think our world is better when you get to mix in 
um, a little bit of everybody's flavor. But until we get more people that recognize that and respect that, I don't like who we are right now. And I hope there's a lot of other people that don't look like me that understand that and are willing to accept that we got to be better if we want to be better. Um, I know a lot of people that look like me, and I don't want to speak for every black person, every brown person, every female. Um, but it sucks when, and I know I'm going on a, a we'll be all, I'll be all over the place because I'm emotional, to be honest. Um, it's just, you just want, you know, I cried my eyes out the other night. And I never, and I didn't think I would say this out loud. But um, it hit me what, what really has hurt me the most is that, no matter how hard I've worked and no matter what my parents have strived to make me into, it sucks to wake up. It sucks to look around. It sucks to read some of the shit that you read and feel like your life doesn't matter. And then for me to realize I got a son and I've brought him into this world where his life may not matter to certain people. That fucking crushed me. It crushes me to even think about it or say it still today. Um, I'm past that because in saying that out loud, I've had a lot of friends step up to me and say to me, you know, that's not the case. And I don't think that's the case, but, um, it sucks to just feel like you don't matter. I would never want to make another human being feel like they don't matter. Um, it crushes your soul. It crushes your, it crushes your heart crushes you as a person and you know i just don't ever want my kids to feel that i don't want any kid to feel that first i'd like to say that i've never wanted to see a baseball game more than i do right now (laughs) second second, i'd like to say that we and by we i mean dre and i and most of you listening we all communicate by text right it's it's, it's convenient But I've said many times on and off this podcast, it's the most impersonal, cold way, right? Context is lost, um, especially for somebody like me who's extremely sarcastic and isn't afraid with Dre at times to go to the darkest, raunchiest, most ridiculous places on things to try to get a smile, right? To try to say, yes, I am a sicko. Um, (laughs) Just from the texts I know, you know, this is the first time we've talked voice to voice, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. And, you know, I thought about you and about AJ and about dozens and hundreds of other friends. And, you know, the examples are out there, right? This is not an overreaction to one situation, right? This no. is not any reaction to, to, right. to one situation, to one person's plate, to one thing. Um, First of all, in addition to appreciating you as a person, I appreciate that you have this tiny platform in the big space and you're not afraid to go out and say what you said, you know, whether it's as polished as you'd like, whether it's your emotion speaking more than than you would like, whether everybody agrees. You know, I I, I roll my eyes at the people that feel like they have to try to put that down in that situation. But um what I'm trying to say is for years and years and years, you and I have had a lot of conversations, some right in front of this microphone, frankly, when this yeah, has happened before. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> but multiple ones that stick out to me is when you guys were going through like a two-year process of, of moving. Where are we going to move? Yeah. Where are we going to buy? Are we going to yeah. build? Is this the right house? We thought this one was, but it wasn't for whatever reason. And you and I had some deep conversations about racism and about you raising yeah. mixed children and living in certain communities. And the thing about that sticks out to me there is when those conversations were over, they were over for me because they were just conversations. I mean, I told you what I felt, right. what I yeah, saw. Right. Right. And which I needed. And we had open conversations yeah. and, and honest and real conversations, which that's what real friends do. Yeah. But I got to live it. <laughs> sure. Sure. And, um, you know, to, to spin this to the sports world a little bit, like, first of all, my, you know, everyone has come out with their Twitter statement by now. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And I'm certainly even three days ago wasn't going to kill the ones that didn't. Because there's a lot of people that don't know what to say, and that doesn't mean they're good or bad guys. Uh, my kudos no, to the ones that were first to, sp- to say, to speak, to tweet, to write, right? Um, you know, we, we have a leadership void on multiple levels in this country. Amen. Um, you know, and, and it's stuff we debate here even when we're just talking about sports, let alone real-world things that matter. So it's nice to see that. Um, I have heard myself from college coaches – over the last few days of um, dealing with it. And, you know, one was just putting out his statement today, and he told me, you know, he had a player, a mixed-race player, basically, like, going at him. And by the end of the conversation, the player was like, Coach, the reality is I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at the university. I'm, I'm just mad. Sorry if this conversation got off on the right, right foot, wrong foot. Right. You know, right. and his response right. was, to the extent that I can get it, I get it. And, you know, Dre, it, it just feels like I saw this somewhere. And it was like, yeah, to all you guys that were saying, if we get sports back, that's part of the healing process. Well, you know, it's a tiny part, and that's right. But, like, there is so much that we are not divided on. And sports, especially in, in our lives, right, I can't speak for anybody yeah. else. And I always say I only got sports analogies because it's the one thing I know even a little bit about. Right. Um, you know, it does bring people together. And in these times, if it exposes who really, you know, has outside agendas and other things. Um, I just want to say this before I throw it back to you or before we say anything else. And whether we talk NHL or this or um, <laughs> baseball. Blades of steel. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what was scariest shit? One of the scariest things of the weekend. And, and last night at a point, I just turned the TV and the phone off because I didn't want to watch footage of anything anywhere anymore. The uh, the cop from the middle of nowhere, but really only 20 miles from where both of us live, who made the Facebook post. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's so fucking dangerous. And it's so yeah. embarrassing to everyone that knows him. And it's why right. it, it just, it says a lot and it says a lot about it's why, it's the why, fears it's are going to linger with you. Change. Yeah. Right. It doesn't go away. And that's, that's the scary part. Because um, like you said, that person, when I read that, I showed it to Jen. She goes, yeah, I saw that. And I go, yeah, that's 15, 20 minutes away. I go, I can make a turn. And that's the guy that could be, that could pull me over. Um, I don't want to live. I don't, I, I don't want to live like that. I, like I said, I'm not, I appreciate you saying what you're saying. I, I don't want to, I, I'm a human being. I want our world better. I'm not trying to be spokesman. 
you know, like you said, it's a tiny platform. But my hurt and my pain, I guess I'm finally at an age where I realize if I keep it bottled up, number one, I'm not helping myself. Number two, I don't want my kids to go through what I'm going through. I've heard my mom and dad tell me things over the last four or five days. Um, stuff that they never really probably wanted to tell me. Like, cause they're going through the same anger. You know, I, I said it on the radio the other day, like I got family that's from Alabama. You figure it out. My, both my sets and my grandparents grew up in the Mississippi, Alabama area. Um, I'm 42 years old. You just do the math. And, and I don't got to get too deep into what they've seen, heard, and the reasons why they moved up north. Just like a lot of people's families that aren't of any color, they move for a better place. They move to be somewhere where they can raise their families to be able to prosper and to enjoy this world and not live in fear. And now my parents, who are grandparents now, are going back to seeing all the same shit that their parents or that they ran from. And it's no longer this secret. It, it's there. And unfortunately, but fortunately, we have these cameras on our phones and it's not like you said, it's not just one incident that has, because I, I got that a lot yesterday. That's just one bad cop. That's just one bad, that's just one bad situation. That's one bad situation. No. For the last three months, four months, I've sat around and I've watched guys just going for a jog, get ran down and shot, maimed and lynched in the street. That's what my dad grew up seeing in Alabama, um, where he knew not where to go, where to go when it got dark at certain times, because they would lynch you and do that. That was 60 years ago. It still happened. You know, my mom cried to me the other night because, like, on one hand, my mom, like, loves the... I don't want to speak for my parents, but, like, I I just got to say this because this is what's hurt. It it, it hurts. My mom, like, at one point in time, they were in Akron on Saturday, and after we had stayed up back and forth texting and calling each other until 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, on, on Friday night, crying, watching America burn, how at first... She loved the protest. She loved seeing all the different colors protesting, but then crying and saying, this reminds me of 1967, 1968. I, I can't take this. She texted me first thing Saturday morning after neither one of us barely slept. And, and, I, and my sister had texted both of us, hey, they're, they're, they're rallying in Akron. And my mom's crying, and she's calling both of us saying, don't go. Tell them to stop, stop it. We don't need this anymore. Because she's worried about the image that comes back and people forget why it's happening and the emotional charge of America isn't learning of the pain that everyone is going through. It's not a cool way to see your parents, man. Like my mom and dad have been flat out open with me that, you know, I yelled and screamed at my dad Saturday night, not in anger, but like, in just like, what? And like, I don't say, like I cuss around my dad because we're friends, but I never say fuck around him. And I said fuck about eight times in a row, just screaming. I'm like, Dad, what the fuck is going on? Who the fuck? And, and, like, to get that type of emotion out of my dad and I just say, like, I just never thought I would have to have conversations like this and to see how, how hurt they are. Um, and it's, it's got to change. It's, it, we, it can't stay the same because we have a powder keg going right now between the COVID, between people not getting paid, between people not having jobs, not knowing where their next meal is coming from. We always talk about players being hungry. But we got a nation of, of people that aren't just black or brown. We got a nation of poor people that are hungry. There's not a lot of leadership. And there's not a place for people to, to turn to think that things are going to be better. 
Um, Man, Potter Keg is for, right. Potter Keg is, is. is so right. And just and let I'll, me say this. I'll I, say this. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, it's hard to talk about this without preaching, right? Um, and the, right. I think the best way to talk about this, because I've had three days to think about it, is just to go honesty. And I think that's what we've done. But one thing that's important is in this powder keg and whatever your emotional state is and whatever it is that you're upset about, whether it's this or something else, or and there's a laundry list right now for a bunch of us, um, not only do you rarely benefit from venting on social media, but so many people have violated that rule that some mm-hmm. real, real evil people are lying in wait on there to take advantage when you do. Yep. You're right. There's a lot of people doing bad things that got no skin in the actual game that are taking advantage of people's anger, people's despair, people's vulnerability. And you just got to be careful, man. You just do. It's that. And that's why that's a perfect leader. And that's why for so long I've stood by idly. And I've said my piece to my wife, to my friends. Oh, I thought during the Kaepernick times, I I didn't get real passionate, but I was passionate with that. I sat right there in, in your kitchen table, and we did a podcast. And I didn't push, 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 but I was basically kind of straight. I, I was almost trying to say, guys, if you're mad about this, I'll, I'll just say, what killed me around then, and I had family members, that, um, you know, that went to war. I respect that. There's no way in the world I wouldn't respect someone that put their lives on the line for this country. But I was around a lot of people, black and white, that really got pissed off at Colin Kaepernick because he was what he was doing to their flag. And I remember I was talking to a friend, and, and this has stuck with me since then, that said, ain't that a bitch? So many people care more about a fucking flag than a fucking life. And that stuck with me and I never wanted to say it out loud because people hear what they want to hear. They run with what they want to run with. Colin Kaepernick didn't do everything perfectly, but he was screaming as nicely as he could scream. We have a problem. We have to stop this problem or it's going to get worse. I remember saying to you, or maybe I said it to my wife and I'm not sitting here campaigning for Colin Kaepernick for this. I like it because he's a human being. He makes mistakes too. But the number one message that was being said that totally got lost in translation was we have an issue, guys. And for Colin Kaepernick, because I remember saying this to you, I was like, Kaepernick, mixed kid, didn't really know his dad, grew up in Milwaukee in the suburbs, got to see the best of living in the suburbs with a white family. And I remember saying to you or to Jen, I don't remember which, if we can't respect what that guy is, is telling us, who's basically seeing the scope of America through a lens most will never see, who are we going to listen to? Who are we going to pay attention to? Because Colin Kaepernick very easily could have accepted his money, could have very easily shut his mouth, could have very easily just hung out with his family and, 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 and stayed on the and, and still probably be quarterbacking and probably have about $50 million, $100 million in the bank. Now, I know me saying this, I'm going to get more assholes that are going to tweet and tell me shit and tell me this and that, and it's going to hurt, and I don't care anymore. Because if you're not listening to the message and what's truly being said, you are so stuck in your own world that you're ruining this world. It's nobody disrespecting your flag. It's nobody disrespecting 
what's the national anthem for, even though in some verses it's got racist statements in it? There are other human beings that didn't win the, the draft lottery of life of being white that are telling you that because you got that one win in the lottery, there's a lot of people that didn't win that lottery in the, in the, in the color scheme that are hurt, that are dying with anger, despair, and sick of being pushed down in the sand and told they don't matter. I know, I get every cop's not bad. I, 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 I'm, I'm Texas. You know this better than anybody else. I have white cop friends, black cop friends. I've got cop friends I grew up with. I got cop friends that I live around. Some of my best friends at Indians games are the security guards around Progressive Field who are Cleveland cops. And I've been in contact with them more over the last five, six days not to ask for, for them to understand where I'm coming from, but for the media to just say to them, hey, this is fucked up. And I know it's not you guys, but you guys got to start saying stuff about the bad guys around you. Because, unfortunately, this is making it tough for the good cops. Like, one bad cop, and, and this is a life lesson. A couple bad cops and, and people with bad spirits are making it bad for all cops as well. Yep. And that ain't fair because they want the same thing I want when I get pulled over. I just want to be able to go home. And a lot of them just want to be able to go home after doing their job. Sure. Well, so I'll, I can respect that. We just want the same respect back on the other side. When you're trying to recollect, just so you know, Jen is the short one who puts the stuff in your refrigerator. I'm the taller one who takes it out. Just, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Good to know. Good to remember. You're right. You're right. I, I know. I mean, sometimes we we, we forget things. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I don't know. I think we can move on to an extent, Dre. Right? Um, yeah. When it comes to it the better, actual people. killing of George Floyd, I got I got to say this: like some people on TV and radio and on the internet who are known bigots have come out and said this is wrong. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. That part is cut and dry. The rest, you know, and like I said, everything, because we live in a culture that's so divisive, because we live in a culture where everybody has to get their two cents in and inject their themselves, not just their opinions and everything. Um, you know, a real smart person I respect said the other day, said, said the, un, the un-whatevers are going to make themselves heard one way or the other. You know, uh, the unheard... The unwealthy, the uneducated, the un uh, this this place, the in insignificant, right? And yep. when this happens, it is saying you're insignificant. And right. you're right; it's on right. it's on every single one of us, specifically those of us with a platform, or those of us with in a leadership position to actually embrace that, you know, to change that. And um. You know, on a personal level, I'll just say, you, you might not even remember this. I think it was two basketball seasons ago. It might be three. There was an incident involving a couple high schools in our area. Yeah. And I don't know the exact details, but, you know, kids are kids, and they're fucking idiots, even the good ones. And Snapchat or something was involved, and it was like the coolest monkeys in the jungle or something like that. Some Some real learned, yeah. some real learned stupid shit. Right, and the schools agreed, did not make it a bigger deal, and all apologies were accepted, and we discussed it for like thirty seconds, and you know, 
a personal regret, even though that had nothing to do with me. And even though it's kind of strange that I even remember it, like, I wish we'd have made a bigger deal of that right here. Yeah. This tiny platform. I, I, I remember it. I remember it. And I, I was glad you brought it up the way you did. And I stepped on my tongue because I was like, it's high school kids. I never want to put high school kids sure. in a bad light. You remember, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that, and I think, like, just that part. Like, you and I aren't here to, we didn't want to divide. You know, like, we knew what happened was wrong. And I got, I'm glad you brought that up. Because that comes to the, the uncomfortableness of where we're at. I, it was easy even for me to find, even though I knew it was racist as hell and wrong as hell, I kind of stepped back and was like, well, I don't want to put high school kids under the, under the, under the microscope like that. They don't deserve that. Sure. And I still feel that way. But now I feel like maybe we should have discussed it a little bit more because you just said the important part. It wasn't the kids' fault that they reacted that way. That was yeah. a learned yeah. thing, right? That was, right. you know, that was a thing that was learned from, from home that made them feel like it was okay to say it and do it. And you bring up something else. And, it, and we've been saying we need sports back to heal us. And I know we've brought it up and talked about it before. The greatest thing about sports usually is that it makes a bunch of people that don't understand, like, or know each other come together. And the best team, and that's within the clubhouses, within the locker rooms. And, you know, in an NFL locker room, you get 50, 53 guys, and you get everything from the kid that went to Harvard to the kid that barely can make it to junior college. You and I joke about it. Did he steal shoes or this or that to get wherever he got? But to win, the great coaches get those guys completely to conform, no matter how hard the flight has been for them to get there. In baseball, you get, you get players and guys together um, – you know, guys that of education levels that aren't very high at all times, and then some to the highest of high and speak three, four different languages. And, and to get those, the great teams, they find a way for all those people to melt together. Now, we've found a way to do that in sports for the betterment of a championship ring. And I'm not trying to be on a pulpit in any way, shape, or form. But how can't we do that in life for all of us to be champions in life? Now, that sounds corny, but... To me, there's got to be something to that. If you can get people together from all these different educational formats, of all these different um, languages, whether it be your brother coaching a, a Division five high school basketball team in Virginia with guys that look at him and say, where's Whitey from? To coaching a Division three team. And, like, like, for your brother to be successful, for our friends at Mountain Union to be successful, they got to find guys from a lot of different parts of this world to trust each other. To believe in each other. So when I need that, when I need that backdoor block, or when I need that backdoor pick, and I'm blindly trusting it, I trust that my guy's gonna give me that pick. I trust that guy's gonna give me that block. I trust my guy's gonna give me that rebound. I trust on a squeeze bunt. This guy that's from Dominican that doesn't know any words of English is gonna bunt in that swing and take my face off. Yeah. And the teams that come together and do that have this wonderful magic that brings people together in the stadiums and in stands and get people that have never met each other. How many times have you and I sat in the stands or watched games and watched people that don't even know each other, hug each other, high-five each other, spill beer each other, and have the best times in their lives and don't know shit about each other and are from completely different economic settings or whatever else? Yep. Because that, that, enjoyment, the enjoyment of coming together and rooting for the same thing. For your team winning. 
It's not that hard. We can do it in sports. We can do it. It's possible to do. And I got to admit, there's a lot of times where I, a lot of times the last couple of days where I, I've been, I've been down and you know, I'm a positive person, no matter how bad it usually gets. I'm making one of you, you or I are usually the ones on the, on the, on the text screen, making that, that joke. That is probably not the right time to tell it, but we're making a joke to get everybody to laugh because it's, Hey, we're, we're going to be all right. You know, you make them, and then somebody makes a joke about a misery, somebody, you know, whatever. And it's been hard for me to have that, Zach, over the last week or two. Oh, no doubt. And as you were talking and as I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking that the best thing ever about sports has always been once you get in the clubhouse, once you get on the team, and this has happened in my life. I played on travel baseball teams um, with a lot of kids, a lot of rich kids. And I'll be the only black kid. And we went to 10, and, and, and I'm, I'm only telling these stories because I, I realized I need to tell them. And I'll never forget, we were in Tennessee, playing the Tennessee Smokies. They had all kinds of guys that were drafted and everything else. We were playing on red clay. And the hotel we were staying out just didn't take a particularly liking to a black boy walking through the parking lot. I called the cops and said I was stealing. I wasn't stealing. I was walking across and jumping to go to the pool with my, 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 my teammates. And I'll never forget, I had a coach named John Sibio, who's no longer here with us anymore. Oh, I know Sib. Yeah. Sib, yeah, Sib is an Akron legend. Yeah. And Sib is this little Italian guy. He was actually, he played a little minor league ball, I want to say, at one time. And Sib basically came out to the hotel, to the front of the hotel, and motherfucked everybody left and right at the hotel and told everybody that, that I was his son. And if you had a problem with his son, you had a problem with him and his team, and we were taking our, we were taking our whole team home, and we weren't going to pay for the, the hotel, and we weren't going to pay to be in that tournament, and the hell with that tournament, and he's going to go back and tell everybody that's involved with the tournament that this place is racist, and they didn't want his black son to play, and they treated him like shit. I was like 13, 14 years old. I obviously have parents. I had a dad. Um. I don't know how to tell people how much that meant to me that this man that had no business, you know, he could have very, Hey, he very easily could have said, Andre, I'm sorry, son. People were mean. I'm going to haul you up. I'm going to send you back and we're going to keep playing baseball because that's what we're here for. He didn't do that. And because he didn't do that and because he made our team come together as one and because he acted a complete ass and scared the shit out of people and said, and said I was his son. <laughs> Um, I'm sure there were a lot of people in Tennessee that, that said that team from Akron, that team from Cleveland, got a bunch of fucking crazies, but don't fuck with them because that coach will stand up for his players. I've had moments like that in my life to make me realize that everybody isn't evil, to make me realize that there are people that want me to succeed. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do the same thing for kids of every color, every, pl every plight that may be out there because I've been lucky enough to have moments like that. And there's been multiple, but I know of that one. And I know how that guy treated me and how he would put his arm around me when we were in certain places. And he would put my, he put his arm around me one time and he goes, I'm not putting my arm around you because I like you. You went fucking 0 for 4. He goes, but I want these people to know how. <laughs> <laughs> but on the podcast, you were 2 for 5 with a double. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know it. But he put his arm around me. Because he wanted the people around, he wanted the people around us, and even my own teammates and some of my teammates' parents, to realize that I was a human being and I deserved love too. And he wasn't gonna let anybody treat me like shit. 
We need more John Sibios. And I know they're out there. There's a sure. lot of high school coaches, white and black, that there's a lot of high school college coaches that know the plight way worse than a lot of us do, that they recruit in places that they would never let their kids go to. But you know what? It might be time if you're willing to recruit a kid from a place that you're afraid of, it may be time to take your kids and to take your wife and to take your families into these neighborhoods and into these places to make them understand what people are really going through. Poor isn't a black thing. Poor isn't a white thing. Poor is – there are a lot of poor people in America, Zach. And, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously money-wise, but I'm, there's, there's some poor, poor people that need support, like John Civio gave me. We weren't, I wasn't poor. I had a good family. I had family that would stood up for me. If my dad would have went there, he probably got arrested. Thank God he wasn't. But I can tell you as a kid that wasn't in this terrible plight what it meant to me to have a man that wasn't my father, a man that didn't look like me, just simply stand up for me and put his arm around me and say, you're not going to treat him like shit. He's a human being. He's our human being. If anybody's going to treat him like shit, is us. <laughs> like, I'm 42 years old. That happened 30 years ago, you know? And it sticks with me. And I remember that at that moment in time, I wanted to be a coach the rest of my life because I wanted to be able to do that for the next kid that was scared out of his mind, looking around, thinking everybody hated him. We need moments like that. And I know there's coaches out there that, that, that do that. We got to do it more. And we got to show the people that are evil and the people that are hateful that that shit ain't going to work no more. There's no place for that shit. It's well, got to stop. I'm glad you told that story for many reasons. And what's so crazy is an hour ago I was on the Manchester A's website or Facebook page trying to look up if Ian's schedule had been updated yet. And Sib's <laughs> daughter, I, I mean, Sib's been gone like 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may be more than that. Yeah, yeah, well, some point in scrolling down, and I don't even know when it was because I only know the son. I don't know the daughter. But she had posted, you know, remembrance of her dad, and I swear to God, I just looked at it like three hours ago. Um, are you Are you kidding me? I swear. Wow. I was – because in the context of baseball, I was texting with my friend in Youngstown who is only my friend through baseball and through the Manchester A's, and we were talking about going to watch – Ian's kid this weekend, or, or Ian's team, I should say, this weekend oh, yeah. or next weekend. And the conversation ended with him saying, I've never been so excited for a youth baseball game that doesn't involve my kid in my life. Because there just hasn't been anything, right? Right, and, right. And we joked about how we're all for the social distancing rules the governor has put in place because we want to sit in the outfield. We don't want anyone coming <laughs> up and asking what's in our cups, right? Right, but, right, right. Like, right. we are – like, they're playing and we are going. We don't know a kid on the team, but we are supporters, right? And Right. Let, let's close on this. That story is phenomenal. But I just think anybody in sports or not, and I think it can start in sports – Anybody that through this or some other incident or hearing some idiot talk about this, if you've changed how you look at it or how you would treat the next situation or who you would stand up for or when or when or even whether you would speak up and it's just one and it's in one small town or one place, like that's progress. This shit ain't going to be changed overnight. No. But it, it has to start with one. And it has to start with a little bit of progress. And I can tell you, Dre, people in my family, and I mean blood family and I mean my, my close friends, I know 
that in spite of how they were raised or in spite of how they feel about something, I know that maybe not just this, but maybe some other things, Colin being one of them, this bringing it to the forefront in whatever form or fashion. I know one or two people, I'm not going to name their names that have changed how they will address or how they would. And so how they will and how they do would mark progress. Tiny, right? But it has to start somewhere. It has to. It's a step. I think what Zach is saying is it's a step. I got some messages this morning. And like you said, I won't put names on it because that's not necessary. Um, But I got messages from, from fans, friends, family, who openly just said, hey, I played your open on, on radio the other night. I sent it to my family this morning, and we cried over it. And a lot of them, like, I, look, whatever little platform I have, um, I love being able to give a piece of, of us. To, I, I get off more on Zach giving me random baseball cards to tell you some stupid fact, <laughs> stupid sports fact that means nothing, to show you how much, how much of a nerd sports nerd I've been my whole life. I have more fun, and I get off on bragging to my wife that I got five out of six right than doing this but hey every, any little bit helps you know i'm not totally ever going to understand what you went through in life but i'm i'll say this i'm willing to sit back and listen and try to understand if you come to me and say hey if you come to me and say hey man i got a question or i don't understand this and i and i don't speak for everybody but i think most people that right now are protesting and, and asking for asking for just to be treated like, like another human being, all they want is for you to understand the plight that they're going through. I'm not asking, no one's asking for you to, you know, take money off of your, out of your bank. Nobody's taking to take food off your plate. Just make it so we all can try to have some success, that we all can have some enjoyment in life, that we all can feel like we matter. I don't think that's too much to ask. And if it is too much to ask, maybe this isn't the country or world that's for you. All right, listen, guys, um, we thank you for listening always. Um, The one sports thing I'll say here is the NHL announcing its comeback plan and being first to do it, but not yet having a date or place tells you kind of where we are. Right, that's like when you. That's how Zach used to get dates in college. They would all agree with you. Yeah, sure, I'd love to, but let me get back to you with when and where. Right, exactly. Time so out. Zach, was like, take, <laughs> Zach was like, "I'm gonna take you to Swenson. We're gonna go here. And then we're gonna go bowling." And they're like, "Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Let me get back to you. We'll set a die the time and place." They must have lost my parents' phone number. Shit. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I, um, we do have something in the works, and I know we've been guilty of talking shit and not pulling it off, but we know everybody needs a laugh, and we got an idea. I will see if we can pull it off this week at some point or not. But listen, yes. we, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the support you give us to our sponsors, Scene, Honey Moon Grill, American Fireworks. Um, they're not the only ones who have supported this podcast. A lot of you guys have. A lot of people have in different ways. We like doing this. Um, you know, and and we, like I said, it, it hasn't been a big issue. It hasn't been a big priority in either of our lives because there's no sports. Um, right. And, you know, we flirted a couple times last week. We couldn't pull it off. Um, we know listenership's down. People don't have sports. People got other things. Listen, like, I'll just close this by saying this. Like, there are <clears throat> probably two people in my life, Dre, that, 
used to be close with that for one reason or another, whoever's fault it is, doesn't matter. I had beef with, and in the la- in in this calendar year, um, I've kind of made up with him, or we've reconnected in a way. Right. And you know, one of them was just personal tragedy, and the other one's life, and a strange set of events that put us in the same place at the same time. And we talked like real humans, like empathetic humans, like adults. And I'd be the first to tell you, and I've said this before, like when I was 25, I could have given you guys quickly the list of 25 people I hated and wanted to die and why I hated them and how I would kill them myself. (laughs) (laughs) And now, like, not only do I really not hate anybody with one or two exceptions, I don't have the energy to even if I did. And I think as you get older and whatever, and we've talked often about how Man, if this if this stuff would have been around and we would have had this podcast when we were twenty five, it'd have been a hit for about the three weeks until we both got fired. <laughs> we done, right? We would have so had that the doesn't mean takes of all time. Yeah, that doesn't mean every take is measured or every opinion is super well thought out, but it means emotional maturity wise, we've come a long way. And if that's hard to believe, well, then think about what we're saying here. We exactly, <laughs> right? And so, like, like love thy neighbor is a thing, you know. And, like, just do good. Like, I've joked for a long time. I don't even know how it started. Like, I try to do one good deed a month. It's been a social media joke and a joke with some of my close friends for a long time. But I, like, take it to heart. And you don't know when that's going to be, right? You don't seek attention for it or seek out to do it. But, like, if you do that, that's a start. And that's what we're looking for. A progress, a start, someone to take pause, to take stock, to say... I feel you. I feel for you. I can do better. We can do better. I can push so-and-so to do better. It applies to any area. It doesn't have nothing to do. It doesn't have to have nothing to do with anything that's happened in the last five days. It doesn't. So we'll leave you with that. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you all. It's a weird time. You can use hugs. I love you, Zach. I appreciate you as a friend. Um. And I know most of you guys, I just appreciate you guys giving the time out in your life. And I think the natural thing to say, you know, is like all people are this or all people are that. I know how many people have followed along with my career or laughed at my stupid jokes or came to our podcast. And I don't look like or sound like people that they grew up around or somebody that they know. But you took the time out to listen to me because, well, we may have the same likes or we may talk about things that, that you like. If you appreciate that part of me, just appreciate the part that got me here. I think that's what we're all asking for. Um, because this place can be better. We can have big crowds again. We can have um, those moments. And like I said about sports, sports is what showed me, and I think my parents put me in sports early on in the way they did, and put me in uncomfortable teams where, purposely. I get it now why my parent, my dad did some of the things he did and put me on teams where I was traveling around and getting stared at and looked at. It was uncomfortable. Um, but in that uncomfortable setting of the moments, it made me into a better man to realize how many different people are out here and how many different things are out here and how many different things I could achieve and how many different places I could go. My dad never wanted me to look and just say I wanted to be an athlete. He wanted me to be able to look and see how many different people in different ways you could be successful um, and be a good person. I think when you close your when you close that focus up, you're the one really losing. Open up that focus. See all the great things out there. See all the great places. 
And my dad told me that about traveling a long time ago. He was like, go travel the world. Go see outside of the United States. See how other people live. Because, because the one thing that you'll take from it is you'll appreciate what you have a lot more or you'll see something that fits who you are better. But if you don't go outside of that scope, how are you ever going to know? Shout out to Sid. Okay, May you rest in peace, Sid. Yeah. And yeah. also, imagine, Dre, imagine if you were good, how much he would have stuck up for you. Talk to you guys.